0: The Sixers have lost a pair of road games to Portland and Phoenix to fall to 1-2 on their West Coast trip. The three-point shooting has deserted them, the defense has been struggling, and the bench play has been downright disastrous. Are these long-term concerns or typical bumps in the road? Let's talk about it. Alright, welcome everybody, this is Derek Podner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich?
1: I'm alright, man. The, uh, in the the team the, we cover's not that good in anymore. In the range but... from
0: Joel Embiid to the Sixers bench, you're somewhere in the middle? Yeah.
1: Alright. Yeah, I, I would say so.
0: <laughs> good, good. Uh, that's where I, that's where, I mean, I would love for you to be Joel Embiid. Uh, we can't all do that, though. Somewhere in the middle is Okay. So, I, I guess, I guess that sort of sheds some light on what we'll talk about today. Sixers have lost two in a row: uh, a game to the Portland Trailblazers, and then another one to the Suns, um, where the Sixers' defense was shredded, their bench was non-existent, and they wasted a pretty good offensive showing. I think there is some things we can talk about defensively, but a really good offensive showing from Joel Embiid, who happens to be pretty good at basketball. Where uh, where do you want to begin, Rich? Where do we even begin on this one?
1: I guess I'll just start with my overall take on this situation. I'm probably not as down as some people are on this. This was a reality check that was coming for this team. And, you know, while this team was, you know, running through the Eastern Conference at the beginning of the season with a home-heavy and, frankly, pretty easy schedule... Uh, exceeding everybody's expectations, I thought we did a pretty good job of being like, "Look, this is great. Like, we're we're having a lot of fun watching this team play." Like, but do we think they're an automatic finals contender right now? No, not necessarily. So, you know, they, they go on this West Coast swing. I, I went into this, I, I believe, a couple of pods ago. I said two and two would be pretty good for this West Coast swing, and and one and three would be. Not stunning to me. And look, they have the game against Utah, but that's going to be the hardest game of their road trip right now. And I guess what we're seeing right now is, you know, we're seeing like, we've seen the theory of the Sixers when it's right. Like the, I would say the Charlotte home and home, which is probably a month ago at this point, the, you know, inside out game with Embiid, Simmons playing great defense at the end of games. That's like the Boston home and home. But now we're seeing the theory of them when it doesn't go right. And I think like we knew going into the season, Danny Green, he's not like a star level three and D player. There is a reason that when we wrote about that trade, the Horford trade, it was, wow, Danny Green's salary expires this season. That's the <laughs> most important part of this. Now, is he also like a player who you can use? Yeah. But, you know, Danny Green, when he has to guard, I would even say like an average offensive player one on one right now. It's pretty bad. They go right by him. Um the bench who you know, like look they've had some good moments this season. We've we've seen some strong guard play and they they obviously don't have shake, although like with the amount of injuries other teams have, like losing Shake Milton yeah. should not you know, completely uh ruin everything here. That that bench is is really bad right now, and we'll get into that. But I, I would just say, like, overall, like, I'm not too worried about, like, um. you know, I, I wasn't thinking this was, like, a bona fide championship contender going into this road trip. So a couple of losses in which there were some positive things on the offensive end of the court. Um, you know, the Portland game, some crazy shooting going on. That's not really going to change my opinion of, like, this is still a pretty good team. But they are... Uh, They're not infallible and uh, they do need to fix some things.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good way to look at it. Like our sort of like flatline read on stuff is probably pretty frustrating when they're, you know, 18 and six or whatever they were. And we're like, well, but I'm still not convinced they're a championship team. But like you said, we're also probably not going to completely freak out when they lose two games to quality opponents on the road. You know, when they were 18 and 6, I they're 18 and 7 or whatever they were, I probably didn't completely buy into them being a championship contender, and I said that often, I said that consistently. And right now I still think they're a pretty good team who's not truly ready to win a championship. So I and, think And here's and here's
1: the good news about this. We don't need to litigate like whether they're a championship contender based on Carmelo Anthony getting fouled at the end of that game.
0: No. Yeah.
1: It's a uh what's that word? Oh, it's a process. That's what it is. <laughs>
0: It is. And there is still some steps to take in that process. I will go back to sort of like my anchoring point on this season that Joel Embiid playing the way he is, is was the most important step to getting towards being a championship team. You still need the right pieces around him. As good as he is, you need two bona fide superstars, sometimes three in this league nowadays to really contend. You need a at least eight or nine deep on your bench. To contend, sometimes, so, sometimes you get LeBron and you need three deep and that's good enough. But the, I'm beat as good as he is. Isn't quite Cleveland era LeBron James. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, the bench, it's going to be okay. People,
1: it's going to be okay. It
0: is, but there is some, but the bench sucks and the we're going to kill them. Too. sucks right now. Yes. And Danny Green, like you said, you know, I got, there's two pretty much anytime I tweet or write anything negative about the team right now. Danny Green is like the first name to come up in my mentions, no matter what. And there were two things that I've been focusing on lately. One is their defensive struggles. And I think there's some merit to Danny being mentioned in there. The other is their three-point volume. And, you know, I got a lot of, well, if Danny Green could make a shot, he's shooting 36%-ish. He's having a Danny Green season as a shooter. It'll be up, it'll be down, it'll be frustrating. But at the end of the year, he'll probably end up somewhere in that 36% range defensively and look I think Danny Green's a smart defender I think he generally knows what he's supposed to do I think I mean he has his moments like he had a block against Booker uh the other night last night in the first quarter which was pretty nice but he is like if you I think Danny Green as like your third best perimeter defender you're in a real good spot right now he's your second best they're they're a piece away they're a piece away in many mm-hmm. different respects but he ends up having to guard especially against some of these teams like Phoenix like Portland, who have multiple real threats on the perimeter, he looks out of place. And he looks every bit the 30, what is Danny Green, 34, 33, something in that range. Sounds right. Mid-30s-ish. Wing player who has lost a step. And probably he probably lost a step last year. And he probably lost another half-step this year. And it does impact what you can ask him to do. Like, he's not going to shut down Chris Paul coming off of a pick and roll. It's just, like, I'm not going to get mad at him for it because he's just not equipped to do that at this stage. of his. Probably wasn't equipped to do that in his prime. Certainly isn't equipped to do that. Now, they are a couple pieces away. You know, I think if you had one more, probably two pieces away, a legit starter caliber player, who I'd love for that to be a high-level, efficient score from the perimeter, and then one more real bomber off the bench. And... um I mean, I think it just shows what we've sort of been saying all year is that they're not quite there yet.
1: Yeah. And let's continue on the Danny Green discussion. And I want to make clear that I don't think like he is even like the first person, the first culprit responsible for how poorly they're playing. He just he sticks out because he's in the starting lineup and he is overmatched, like you said. Um, I thought yesterday and we were recording on Sunday, the... First quarter of that game, I thought Simmons and Embiid strung together just some excellent defensive possessions on on Devin Booker with Joe playing a more aggressive style than we're accustomed to. Not quite the the full on blitz mode that they went against Dame Lillard, but like really up to touch showing um, willing to live with mistakes on the you know with with some guys open on the backside and and really trying to make life uncomfortable for Devin Booker so they did a nice job in the first quarter which uh okay after that it was pretty bad and I I really doc I don't know who makes these decisions but in the middle of the second quarter Simmons had come back into the game and Danny Green was in the game as well the Suns pretty it, it reminds me of like the old Sixers teams they stagger Booker and Paul pretty good there. Booker was the only one of the two in the game, and Simmons was playing. And Doc said, "Ah, let's put Ben Simmons yeah. on campaign for a few possessions, and let's have Danny Green." I don't know if he thought that first quarter block was amazing or something like
0: that, but which by Danny's the way it was got... a rear block because he got beat. Like we got to say yeah. that too. Yeah.
1: So I don't know if this was Doc or Dan Burke or Simmons or whoever, but it. You know what? It's doc's responsibility. Um
0: And like you said, I don't think I think I, I don't think Devin Booker got completely going because of that. It was only a couple of possessions. Like I think the way I would look at it, like
1: it was the start though. It was a start. <laughs>
0: um, you know, I think I think Simmons was probably defending Booker for seventy five percent of the first quarter and Danny twenty five percent. And during that maybe three or four minute stretch it was sort of flipped on the other end. And look, Danny got beat a couple times. Um well, he got beat well, he got beat bad. To a- be and fair, this- Ben got beat a couple times, too. And they did real good in terms of the pick and roll. Ben got beat a couple times in, in one-on-one in the first oh. quarter, too, and got lucky as well.
2: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus... Up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana... Nevada, in New York. Don't forget if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to the Athletic plus up to a one thousand dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Yeah,
1: and and then he just got destroyed the rest of the game too, yeah. which is the the life of the the life of trying to shut down great scorers. great perimeter defender. It's like yeah. we can talk about what a great perimeter defensive player Doc. Compared him to Rodman and Pippen, which, like, look, I, I agree. I think Ben is terrific on that and end I, of the floor. I,
0: but to be clear, he compared him defensively to Rodman. I don't want anyone coming not, away not, thinking Doc was comparing him offensively to Rodman. He's not going go to go to Vegas and, ter- and leave the team
1: for, for three right. days afterwards? Yeah. Uh,
0: Even though some of Simmons' biggest detractors would probably claim that to be the case.
1: Yeah. Uh, he was talking about young Dennis Rodman on the Pistons' defense, which... It was a great defensive player, but that's the life of a a great perimeter defender. Like there, are nights you're just going to get lit up with the way the rules are and with just the level of offensive talent in the league right now.
0: Byron Russell was a real good defender. All we ever remember about is that shot against uh, Michael Jordan. And he
1: and he was allowed to hand check too. Yeah. I mean, my God. So yeah, so Ben did get lit up. afterwards. but you know what? It, the idea of Doc like making a mistake and me being annoyed by it was by Danny Green guarding um, Booker for a little while. Like, I'm actually getting mad at Doc taking Simmons off the best player for, like, five or six possessions, which just goes to show the makeup of this team. It's not the most versatile unit in the no. world, right? No, it's like it's if, if Doc has to put Simmons on him the entire game, which, by the way, he should. Like, that shouldn't happen again. Uh, if... You know, I understood like a couple weeks ago. Okay, they're playing against Harden; he can draw a lot of fouls. Like there, there were no fouls. Devin Booker is, I don't know, I don't think he's like that crazy of an off-ball mover. He's an unbelievable offensive player, but does a lot of it in uh in isolations and one-on-one. I I mean, I thought that was that was a bad move by Doc. And then the Sixers' defense the rest of the game, and that includes Joel Embiid, one of his worst defensive halves of the season. Just was. You know, he, he had a really good offensive game. I, I thought he was low energy yesterday. Um that's okay. It's not gonna be great for all seventy-two. And to be fair, he scored what, thirty two points on on good efficiency, yep. so like not that bad. <laughs> he's uh he's changing the standard for sure. Um but not not one of his better games, I would say, defensively. Yeah, and that's just kind of the I don't want to say House of Cards
0: this team is built on, but like if you look back. I to- mean, if you complain this much about Mike Scott and even to be honest, like you said, Shake Milton, there's teams dealing with way worse people out of the lineup than Shake Milton. It is a little bit like a House of Cards, at least when you're talking about a contender standpoint.
1: Yeah. And if you go back to when Daryl put this team together, that, uh, you know, two week period when they went from <laughs> a different coach, front office players all the all those things we, we were talking about it, it's like who the hell is going to take out Horford who's you know Josh Richardson that's a weird fit like do you want to pay him his next contract those yeah. things so he did the best that he could and I I like like this team that they have right now like it's it, it was I thought a, a decent job considering the the situation they're in but like let's not pretend that in offloading Horford's money in finding a better fit than Richardson they created this super team. No, no, yeah. these guys were available for a reason. Um and, and we're seeing some of the struggles there. And then like the we haven't even talked about like the, the bench is just a disaster right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they really needed um they needed a couple things. They needed Shake Milton to play like six man of the year caliber Shake Milton and instead they've just gotten a sort of like serviceable NBA rotation player Shake Milton. And that drop off was pretty big. And look, I know he's been out here the last two games, but he was not playing all that well before that. And the bench was not playing well at all before that. He was not stemming that, um, you know, hemorrhaging of, of of points. So they need they need shake to find his groove again. They need more pieces. And we can get into some of the look. Dwight Howard, great story. Seems like a pretty good locker room guy. Hustles great. his ass off. What's the
1: great story about him? Oh, that he's just, just the he's fact accepted. That he's accepted his
0: role from coming from a, a, a superstar focal point of a championship caliber team, uh, to what he is now. That's uh, not everyone does that. And I think when people like Vince Carter do it, or now Dwight Howard do it, it's, I think it's a good, maybe great story might've been a touch too strong, but it's a, a solid touch. story, a decent I agree story. With you. Yeah. Um, but there's some real, like when you start looking at some of the pieces the Sixers have, and look, you know, Doc has been talking a lot recently about, look, we need more ball handlers, we need more passers, we need more setup men with that second unit. The sort of logical conclusion of that is, okay, well, let's stagger it so that Ben Simmons is with that group instead of Tobias Harris. But who the F is scoring the ball when you do that? Maxie right now, and Matisse Thibel and Dwight Howard. That's going to be real tough. Like, yeah, you might get fewer mistakes, but I don't know who's... Like, when you start looking at the, I think... Simmons with all bench units. So Simmons without any of the other four remaining starters are like a negative 30 net rating so far. And it's their, their skill sets just don't complement. So you might need Simmons ball handling and decision-making and passing, but you also need Tobias Harris's scoring. Um, you know, I think they I think they're just a couple pieces away. And I think that fit with, you know, Howard that we sort of had concerns about in the preseason. Um, I think it's tough to stagger and beat in Simmons because of that. And I think truthfully, I think you have to get back to staggering and beating Simmons, so um, it'll be interesting to see what they do.
1: Yeah, and like you said, if you stagger and Simmons, Howard is a no go. And I mean, frankly, Howard is a no go right now. He's He's, playing terrible. Yeah, he is. Like, and I don't even want to say, you know, like he's good for a backup. No, he stinks for an NBA player right now. He's He's fouling. I mean, the, the fouls are just ridiculous at this point. He doesn't finish anything. Near the level, like, he's shooting, like, 56%. When that's all dunks, that's not a great number right Right now. I mean, like, his free throw shooting, he's down to 50%. He's changing the distances on his shots. These are all sort of, I mean, the things you have to live with. The, the thing that I, I cannot live with, and you have pointed out on Twitter a bunch of times, for the love of God, stop throwing... <sighs> Bounce passes. It's, it's so feet.
0: frustrating. If, if <laughs> you
1: throw him a pass that is not a lob above the rim yeah, or like a, a chest pass for a wide open dunk, you honestly should be fined. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what Doc is yelling at Maxie about. It seems like he yells at him when he, like, dribbles too much. Not as much when he throws the ball at his feet and it's a pick six <laughs> the other way. That is what you should yell at him about. And, I mean, we love Matisse, like... He throws, <laughs> he throws passes that are just insane. I don't know what to say. Like, he just wants to get the ball. He, he
0: throws passes that are like, oh shit, I don't want the ball. Here, Dwight, here's a bounce pass in traffic that you have no chance.
1: No chance. He like volleyballs into people, too. <laughs> like, just grab the ball, dude. What, what, is, what is going on right now? So, that that's also part of the struggle. And I, I thought your point about Harris was a good one. And that, like, Doc is complaining about the lack of ball movement right now. But really, you were setting up Tobias to, hey, do your isolation thing. That's
0: part of keep the bias of quick decision-making is just take your two dribbles, get to your spot, and shoot the ball.
1: We don't have anything that resembles a good offense right now with this team. Like, we need you to keep this this bench unit afloat. And I don't think that's, like, a, a crazy strategy considering what he has available to him, Doc. But don't complain about the ball movement afterwards. Yeah. Yep. The ball's not going to move then. It's... Uh, That's part of it. I mean, like, look, every one of these players is playing bad. Maxi is, I mean, his outside shot is a killer right now. Like, he, you know, he he gets that floater and it's nice and all that stuff, but, like, doesn't get to the rim nearly enough. And and his shot diet is just not sustainable. He is a below average player right now, which is to say he is a normal rookie. Right. I'm not condemning his future or anything like that. But he is bad right now. Like, Like, putting him on the court... Honestly, you mentioned earlier um you know, you were getting serviceable NBA player, Shake Milton and not six man of the year, which is right. There's a massive downgrade from even serviceable six man, yeah. Shake Milton to what they are getting right now. It's okay. It's, yeah, uh, and look,
0: when when we say that like people think we're hating on rookie, like no, it's just like there's two things. There's talent and upside and future and hope. And then there's this team is trying to win a title. Are you helping? He's not helping right now. And I I like him being in the rotation to some degree just because I want him to develop. I want him to get some taste of that action. But he is not he's not playing good basketball by any stretch. And it's tough because a lot of times, like Matisse Thiebel, for as good as defense is, is not playing good basketball. It's, sometimes you can live with it, sometimes you can't. They're just, they're, they're, and, I mean, Furkan Korkmaz, he's either making five threes or he's completely unplayable. You, there's no yeah. in between with him.
1: And I mean, they, they can't make a three at all right now. Corkman is what like zero for nine the last yeah. couple of games on very good looks. I mean, he's yeah. killing them. So li- literally, you could go through every bench player. Mike Scott returned yesterday. He didn't. He might have well, not taken a
0: shot. And with Mike Scott returning the, the 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 all bench lineups, which I just I can't I I don't see how that's going to work. You do not you do not have a Lou Williams on his team, Doc. Like this is really. I don't know. We'll see.
1: The, the all bench lineups are very dependent on shake being on a heater.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And as we've seen, that's not, it, it happens, but it's not the most consistent thing. in
0: the No. World. And then you have Tobias Harris who's having a really weird stretch. He's playing good basketball here over his last six games, 19.3 points, um, 52% from the field, 4.3 assists to 1.7 turnovers. I like seeing that. Uh, even 4.8 free throw attempts per game. He's three ball has completely left him shooting 2.8, three point attempts per game and 17.6% from three point range. You know, we're starting to cite a lot of the Sixers uh, lack of three point volume. And he has been a pretty big part of that. And it is, you know, (sighs) this team is such a weird team. And like a lot of people are like, well, you really care if they shoot threes? Like, isn't that a, a product of, you know, Joel Embiid, living inside and getting the free-throw line? Well, usually what I tend to cite is free-throw rate, which is free-throw attempts per three-point attempt. Um, Or, I'm sorry, three-point attempts per... I'm gone. It is three-point attempts per field goal attempt. So when you look at it, like, Joel Embiid getting the line 11 times per game doesn't factor into that. Those aren't possessions that it's using in that equation. Joel Embiid only takes, like, 14 two-point shots per game. So he's not exactly... to shooting to the point where you can't also get a solid three point attempt rate especially when you figure a guy being doubled as frequently as Joel Embiid is should create open opportunities on the perimeter and for much of the early part of the season did but when you start looking at the Sixers you know they have been i think outshot in terms of attempts from the three point line in 13 of the last 14 games they have i think the 28th ranked three point attempt rate uh, it's which again it's is, starting to
1: get significantly lower than last season, which is yeah. like, that's hard to believe.
0: Yeah, which again, that is three point attempts per field goal attempt. Um, they just are not, they're, you start looking at their shot profile and it's not like I'm saying, hey, Joel Embiid, stop posting up or even, hey, Joel Embiid, stop taking these mid-range shots. But a lot of these players, you know, I think what we're, we're starting to see with Seth Curry, like we always wondered, well, why isn't his three-point volume higher considering how efficient he is? <laughs> well, he, he gets won't take off. him. <laughs> yeah, he, he won't take him. He has a slow release. He has a low release. And he is comfortable and okay with being run off of that three-point line, resulting in a lot of mid-range shots. Sabaya Harris is a mid-range heavy shooter. Um, Danny Green is just a low-volume shooter. Tyrese Maxey is a complete non-shooter from three-point range. Um Matisse Stiebel is a non-shooter from three-point range, pretty much. He's a non-half-court offensive player. Dwight Howard is obviously a non-shooter. You just don't have very many players, especially once you get out of the starting lineup, who are comfortable taking three-pointers at any volume. And when you have these sort of uh, periods where Tobias Harris is not making his perimeter shots and is not taking very many of them, and Shake Milton is either out of the lineup or uh, ineffective when he was in the lineup or struggling from three-point range, you just don't have, you can't weather very many shooting slumps while still being competitive from the three-point line, and look, again, I'm not asking to take out Joel Embiid post-ups or Joel Embiid mid-rangeers. It's some of the other diet that the Sixers have. Where man, that fucking jumper t- three feet back is worth more points. I'd really love for them to get on top of that. And you're
1: really talking to Seth Curry on the, I mean, t- t- Tobias. Tobias, t- but too. like,
0: yeah, and and not only no, that, those two specifically in terms of players on the roster, but I'm talking about like changing the roster makeup.
1: And the good news is, for uh, any fans that might be panicking on this uh, rather negative um, 25 minutes we've had, the good news is, I think the guy in charge knows the value of <laughs> the three-pointer. Right? I think so, he, like, he uh, I'd love to know what he is thinking about this uh, right now with a, an extremely mid-range heavy team. Maybe the most mid-range heavy team in the league, now that I think about it. Um, shooting the highest percentage, for sure, for a long time. Yeah, I mean, Seth Curry, well, at least he missed a free throw, too. So the the 50-50-100 dream is now officially dead. He needs to shoot more threes, though. Like, I, you know, you saw a couple times. I remember there was was one in the Brooklyn game last weekend, and then there was one against Portland where, um, you know, oftentimes, like, when he takes a quick trigger three, it'll be like a, uh, you know, like he'll pump fake and take a sidestep dribble and then fire it away in the last week he has made very quick trigger catch and shoot corner three attempts. And like, he's got to shoot more of them, man. Like you might not shoot 50% on them, but I think you'll shoot 40% on them and you're pretty good at it. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Doc's got to, you know, he's got to give him the uh, maybe like the, the Robert De Niro and the meet the parents, you know, you're in the circle of trust. Cause he is his father-in-law, you know, he's got to be like, you got to shoot more, man. Um, that type of thing. I don't know how they fix it with the rest of this roster, though, because, like you said, like the three point rate is so disappointing. Because heading into the season, when I saw Seth Curry and Danny Green, I thought, okay, they're going to take a little bit of a hit with perimeter defense here, but the trade off is going to be more threes on the other end, and we're not getting that right now. No. And it's and- not just those guys' fault, but like that needs to be really like the ideal Sixers offense is Simmons and Embiid shooting shots at the rim and everybody else shooting from three. Maybe yeah. Tobias doing a little, little one-on-one work too, but that that's the ideal offense and you're not getting it.
0: No, you're not. Um, and you know, a lot of people will say, well, but they're, they're winning. Well, I mean, yeah, they're winning because of their defense, their offense is legitimately 15th in the league. Dead, dead smack center. And they've played, a really easy schedule up to this point. And look, it's a weird season. Like what may be easy. might, it's hard to really gauge, they're, but my concern is always going to come back to, can this succeed in the conference finals? And I think, I think the offense has to improve for me to feel comfortable saying that
1: for sure. Well, for sure. And think about it. They're 15th in offense. I would say the the biggest uh, notch against them there, they're 15th in offense and getting an MVP level right. of play from their center. That's not great. Like and I I think like they are winning some of these games when when they don't shoot a ton of threes, but man, that's not the right way to live. Like that's not the the long-term scenario for this team. I, you know, if it was James Harden just like in a spread pick and roll walking to the rim at all times, that's fine, but like if it's centered around an Embiid post up and an all bench unit, like you need to shoot more threes in this it's it's tough i mean like the stats over the past 10 games like they're getting out shot by like four threes a game four made threes a game that's you know to start minus 12 I, I know they're getting a decent amount of that back at the free throw line but i don't know it just feels like there's a better way to go about this but like you said like it's it's probably going to take some new personnel um and it's also like th- this group of players is just they're playing bad right now. I expect them to play a little bit better, like a lot of these guys. Like, Korkmaz is going to start making shots at some point. That will help that number. But I, there are some, like, like issues with the uh, the structure of this team right now. Good news, they got a little bit of time to figure it out.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, to your point, you you brought up previously, they are the third-highest mid-range shooting team in the league, uh, with 37.1% of their shots coming from mid-rangers, according to Cleaning Glass. Only Orlando and San Antonio take more. Uh, you know, I think if you start looking at the lineups, the Sixers starting lineup is a plus 15, which is great. It's it's helping boost the rest of the team. The diet is pretty much the same there. I mean, it's I think it's, hold on, uh, 37.3% of their shots with that lineup on the floor is on mid-range, and their shooting splits are absurd. Like, they're just absurd. They're shooting... on mid-rangers so far. They're shooting 46.1% on three-pointers with that lineup on the court. And look, do I think that should be a good mid-range shooting team? Yes. Yes. Do I think that should be a good three-point shooting lineup? Yes, especially when you look at the personnel in Curry and Green and Harris around Embiid. Like I think that will be a good lineup with those shooting splits. Do I think they're going to make 52% of their mid-range jumpers throughout the season? Probably not. And if if, if if that lineup does keep on taking 37% of them, I have a concern that's going to start dropping down into the 42 44 45% range. And then that will still be a good lineup. Don't get me wrong. But sort of you have to build a cushion with that start starting unit on the floor because your bench is so atrocious. If there's any kind of shooting regression with those guys right now, there's just not much to make up for that, especially on the offensive end. So I, going back to your point, they're having a borderline historic season from Embiid, and they're still the 15th ranked offense. There is some there's some improvement to be had for sure, and that's why we focus on it so much.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Embiid, Doc trying to play him 38 minutes yesterday. Not good.
0: Well, I mean, that was his adjustment to... Uh, Sort of help Dwight, the bench was yeah. the
1: Dwight sucking was all d- right. To Joe him. just
0: play the entire fourth quarter. Well, luckily, and I say that sort of with air quotes. Luckily, they were bad enough where that didn't end up coming. did happen. But you can't you can't ask him to do that too much. Yeah, for sure. Well, for sure. And,
1: and if I'm going to give Doc credit for pulling the plug quickly, um, you know, then you get you get dinged for playing him an absurd amount of minutes in a regular season game that doesn't matter that much. Um, can we go with the positives? I thought Ben was. Very good. In Especially in the first
0: games. first half, first quarter for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and and if we're talking about the Portland game too. Yep. Which was I mean maybe that was like
0: his a, fir- best half of the season. Yeah. For that sure. That was
1: like a two way terror performance. I mean, his defense against Lillard at the end of that game, honestly, things would be a lot better if they just went with the blitz right away against Portland. Because they probably win that game because they let Willard uh sorry. Willard. <laughs> They let Lillard and they let Gary Trent walk into I think seven threes in the first like six minutes of that game. Maybe Derek Jones had one of them, too, Um, but they they weren't aggressive enough against them, which like to be fair, like that means like Dame Lillard's making 35 footers in your face. That sucks, but he can do that. Uh, I I actually you know, the Portland game was a tough one because, you know, I, I didn't love the the defense at the beginning of the game. But the second half, like some of those mellow shots were yeah, such bullshit, <laughs> Even yeah, they they, Gary Trent yeah. made a three with like three minutes left too, and he's obviously very good, and he lights the sixers up as well, that was bullshit too, um, <laughs> and I thought like frankly Simmons defense on Lillard, how physical he was being without fouling, um just like picking him up at half court and hounding him the whole way through was was awesome and you know, you combine that with, uh, you know, I would say over, let's say over the three quarters, the second half against the Suns, he was pretty quiet, but over those three quarters, like attacking the rim consistently, uh, getting to the line, you know, he made a decent amount of, his, of his free throws yesterday. Uh, some of his best basketball of the season, which is good to see. Good to see. It's still in there. I know a couple of weeks ago I was wondering if he was, uh, He's a little dinged up with that knee. He looks like he's he's back to to full bend, speed, and jumping, which is great. Um, so I like not all negative. I think uh, honestly, like the the story of these past two games is you've gotten a lot from Simmons and Embiid, and in Simmons' case, like we haven't seen that as much this year. So that's yeah. like a really good sign. The other guy's got to play better.
0: Yeah, it, it was funny, Doc. Uh, after the game last night, made a comment like, "Hey, I'm glad people are finally starting to notice Embiid's." I'm glad people are finally starting to focus on Simmons' defense. It's like, yo, buddy, he was voted the first team all defense last year. First like team if, all NBA. Yeah. If, if you would have been listening to this podcast, like we've been high on Ben's defense for years. You're uh, not one of the 50 listeners that we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> dozens, dozens, Rich, dozens. Sorry. Uh, advertisers, if you're listening, that is that is not an accurate representation. You can, it's you an ongoing bit. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, his defense is like he is legitimately maybe the best perimeter, maybe the best non-center defender in the league right now. It is incredible to see. I wish that we didn't have so many offensive concerns, both with the team and with him at times, that it didn't overshadow that. I wish he was just good enough in other aspects of his game where we never had to talk about his jumper. I would love to never talk about his jumper or the Sixers' lack of half-court shot creation. It would make me... like I would love nothing more than to be able to focus on his defense without any asterisk applied and look, I still like, I go back to it all the time. Like if they could find a way to get a Bradley Beal without giving up a Ben Simmons, like I, I'm not convinced that Ben's really a problem. It's just, I don't know how the F you do that. I don't know how you do that. Uh, this, it would have been much easier, you know, four years ago when they were starting to build around a Ben Simmons than it is now.
1: I think the moral of the story is this is a good team, but it's a weird team with, with weird. Fitting pieces, and if you remove one of them, and I can hear the cat.
0: This is why I hear. let them in sometimes and let them walk around.
1: Wow, yeah, very noisy. Um, <laughs> they
0: do not like being shut out of the room.
1: But yeah, like it's it's a good team, but there there are certainly some some weak spots, and if if one of those weak spots is is really struggling, which I would say like a couple of them are now, becomes more of an average team, and that's okay. The uh, I, I expect like. When the Sixers get home, who do they got? Like they got like Houston and Chicago this week. Like uh, it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, they may, might
1: even play good against Utah. You never know. I mean, Utah's killing Utah everybody is right now. Really good. But like, even if they lose by thirty to Utah, that's not really going to change my um, my read on what this team is right now. No, I don't I'm, think they're going to lose by thirty two. The other thing too is, if you're just like a neutral NBA fan, the three games they have played on the road trip have been fun. Yes, <laughs> they've 100%. been offensive oriented. Yeah. Um, there's been like high level play from the stars. Like I'm sure like if you're able to separate the, okay, like where are we in terms of the championship chase? Like I'm, I'm a huge fan type of thing. Those were like really fun games. I would say like the game yesterday, the defense wasn't quite good enough at the end to make it as fun.
0: Yeah. But if you're a neutral fan, you don't care about defense.
1: No, no. And you just care about Devin Booker lighting up Ben Simmons, which is Devin Booker. He's. Like, I watch him a lot. He's very good. He is way better against the Sixers than he is against (laughs) any other team.
0: Well, I I looked it up. Ever since the Simmons and and Embiid era started, since the start of the 2017-18 season, they've played seven games, he's averaging 37.4 per game against the Sixers. And that's with the Sixers having a pretty good defensive squad pretty much every year in that that range. I remember when the Suns were just dreadful in
1: 2017-18, he came into the FARC. When they might have won like 20 games, and he lit up the eventual what 52 53 win sixers from that season. So, yeah, I don't know what he's got going, but like he, he just destroys them.
0: Yeah, he does. Turns out he's real good. He's real good. Uh, anything else? No, I mean, I think, I think, like you said, we, our focus is so much on the end game. And this has not been a good week in that regard. I have a feeling, like you said, when the schedule turns and they have an easier time here when they return home, uh, the podcast will be a little bit more optimistic. So I apologize a little bit about the tone of the podcast. Not really, because we have to... I'm not sorry. we Um, We have to talk about the team and how they're playing at the moment. But when you start looking at the Rockets and the Bulls, even the Raptors, you know, they have that road back-to-back against the Raptors. They'll split one of those two. Mavs, Cavs, Pacers, they'll reel off some wins there and we'll all feel good about their chances. They are a really good basketball team, a 50 win on a normal season caliber basketball team, who I do think the, if you had concerns about whether they have made the jump to a championship team, uh, I think there are some reasonable concerns to be had, but fun to watch MVP caliber player on the right track. Daryl Morey has some work to do. Sounds good. That's all I got. All right. Thank you for jumping on, Rich, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.